Yesterday afternoon, I saw on Twitter that Pope Francis was in southern Italy in Sicily and made an offhanded comment that 40-minute homilies, he said? No way. Homilies should be eight minutes. The whole mass should be 40 minutes, he said. And priests are abuzz this morning. Saying, Holy Father, how can you say that Mass is 40 minutes? So I can't make any promises about a 40-minute Mass, but I can usually make a promise about an 8-minute homily. So we'll see how we do this morning. Good teachers, they oftentimes say, ask great questions. Good teachers are able to ask great questions. It's oftentimes also been said that, that a great question forces the person that's responding to the question to answer in a way that goes a bit deeper. It forces a person not just to stay on the surface and to stay shallow, but it forces them to answer in a bit of a deeper way. Now, in the Gospels, one of the most common titles used for Jesus was rabbi, teacher, that the disciples referred to Jesus as their teacher. And so, if Jesus is the best of teachers, we can then assume that he asks the best of questions. In today's gospel, he asks two great questions. He proposes two great questions to his disciples. Question number one, who do people say that I am? And how do the disciples respond? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. But then Jesus, as the best of teacher, asks another great question and goes deeper. He says, no, no, no. Who do you say that I am? What Jesus is doing here is making clear that proposing this question of his identity of who he is, is not a question of public opinion. He's not looking for what the crowds say. He wants to know, who do you as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of me, say that I am? And in a kind of dumbfounded way, Peter, as a spokesperson for the apostles, responds by saying, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. But what hopefully strikes us this morning in the gospel is that when Peter responds by saying you are the Christ, how does Jesus respond to that? He says, don't tell anyone about me. That always perplexes me. Why would Jesus after Peter claims that Jesus himself is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, why would Jesus then order them not to tell anyone? Wouldn't logic tell us? Wouldn't common sense tell us? Tell the whole world, we found the Messiah. Tell everyone you know, we found the anointed one. But Jesus doesn't do that. That then proposes the question, well, why not? 
Why would Jesus not want the people of Israel to know that he's the Christ? One reason. They weren't ready. Because it's important for us to remember, everyone, that at this time in Israel, to be the Christ, which means to be the anointed one, to be the Messiah, meant something very specific. And Jesus knew that his fulfillment of being the Christ and the Messiah would not meet their preconceived notions of what it meant to be the Messiah. At this time in Israel, for 600 years, they did not have a king. They did not have a ruler. Their last great king was King David about a thousand years before. During these last 600 years, the people of Israel were ruled by foreign leaders. There was exiles and destruction. The people of Israel expected the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, to be a warrior king who would come back with a sword and throw out all occupants of Israel. And at the time of Jesus, who was occupying Israel? The Romans. The Roman soldiers were occupying Israel. And Jesus knew that if he was to be known as the Messiah, they would then expect him to have a sword and to throw them out. But Jesus doesn't come with a sword. He's not a warrior like they expected. He comes with a different weapon. He comes with a cross, not a sword. And so Jesus knew it would take time for the people of Israel to understand his fulfillment of being the Messiah and what that meant. And so if Jesus wasn't a warrior king, what was he? He was a humble rabbi who preached nonviolence. He was a humble rabbi who said, pray for your enemies. He was a humble rabbi who said, turn your cheek when you're persecuted. He was a humble rabbi who said, I have come to be mocked. I have come to be crucified. I have come to die. And I have come to rise. That's who Jesus is. That's how he fulfills the promise of the Messiah. And so where does that leave us, everyone? It leaves us with this. Our entire life is now about responding to Christ who came to die and Christ who came to rise. Everything we say and everything we do now becomes about a response to this great mystery that Christ came to give up his life for us, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the anointed one. And that question that Jesus asks Peter and the other apostles, who do you say that I am? That same question is extended to us. And we, in a personal, singular way, must respond to that question. Our spouse can't respond for us. Our mom and dad can't respond for us. Our boss can't respond for us. We ourselves have that question before us. Who do we say that he is? 
And so that's the question I leave us with this morning. Who do we say that he is?